Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Tapeheads 80s Music and Beyond. How's everybody doing? Oh, we are superb. How about you? Excellent. We're doing excellent. So today we are going to talk about the song Pour Some Sugar on Me. <laughs> excellent. By Def Leppard. The album Hysteria, 1987. Yes, which was a huge album. But before we get to that, I want to talk about something else real quick. Okay. Because I was reading about this a few weeks ago. But I want to talk about the Station Nightclub Fire. Do you remember that? Is that the one where with Great White with the fireworks in the little club? Absolutely. It's yeah, one yeah. Great White. Awful. Had a hundred people die in that. Oh, yeah. Which is freaking crazy. And they were playing the song Desert Moon, which I don't know that song. Do you know that song? Probably not. No, you I don't really like Great White at all. I don't. I, maybe it was a cover of the Sticks one <laughs> or Dennis DeYoung or whoever. Dennis DeYoung. That's a good song. Is this the train to Desert Moon? Anyway, they were not. <laughs> they were doing the song Desert Moon, and their road manager would do these fireworks. In the middle of their show, and they would were the, these things called gerbs, and they're like spark fountains. And I guess they had they were doing like an 18 day tour, and some of the club owners denied them permission to use these pyro displays hmm. because of safety issues. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, he did it anyway. This was in West Warwick, Rhode Island, and um, Great Weight started playing. They were doing the song Desert Moon, and all of a sudden these gerbs went off. And acoustic foam caught on fire. And Jack Russell calmly said into the microphone, Wow, that's not good. Oh, jeez. And uh, they saw flames within nine seconds of it igniting. I guess it was about 20 seconds after that that Jack Russell said, That's not good. 40 seconds into it, Great White left the stage, and then the fire alarm began to sound. And 100 people died in that in that show. Oh, yeah. Because... It's awesome. Uh, they didn't know about some exits, possibly, and they were all fighting to get out of there. Wasn't I kind of remember this. Wasn't there something like the exit doors didn't open out, it opened in or something? So it was kind of trapping people in there until they figured it out? Could be. I don't know Something that. weird. I yeah, there's something that. weird. Yeah. But there's the 230 people that are injured, 100 people died. Gosh. And the manager for Great White, Daniel Michelli... He was charged with 100 counts of manslaughter and was sentenced to 15 years. Wow. And he ended up doing just like two years of that sentence before he was released. Mm. Anyway, so I was reading about that. Can I ask real quick? I'm sorry. Can I ask what made you look this up? What made you think of it? Was it just because we were talking about Great White? I was just, you know how the, the rabbit hole you go down oh, yeah, on yeah, okay. Wikipedia sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. And somehow I got to that and I was reading about that. But... Uh, so so later on, probably about this happened in like 2003, I believe, like okay. 10 years later. Oh, wait, yeah, okay. So Jack Russell performed a benefit show on the 10th anniversary of the fire, oh. and he planned to to donate the proceeds to the Memorial Foundation of the fire. Any guesses on how much money he raised? I'm guessing it's low. $180. Oh, gosh, I wasn't going to go that low. And the foundation refused the donation. So. Oh, man. Anyway, so I had been reading about that. No good deed goes unpunished, eh? Yeah. I was reading about that. Did you know that was only the fourth worst nightclub fire in the United States? The fourth worst, huh? Out of fourth fires? Fourth worst. hundred people, just, yeah. Not just, fires. The, not just like uh, calamities or something like the Who no, concert? No, like no actual of, fire of, fires. Of nightclub fires. Okay. No, I didn't know in, that. Wow. In nightclubs. Or in nightclubs or clubs. Okay. Um, so I thought, well, let's look these up. So I looked up the other three. I Rabbit thought this hole. was kind of interesting. Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, in May of 1977, in Southgate, Kentucky, there was a place called the Beverly Hills Supper Club. And the venue was over capacity due to the popular popularity of That's Night Show featuring, guess who? No, you're absolutely Wait, wrong. No, no. Oh, I was going to say like the Osmonds or something. John Davidson. John Davidson. What was he? And what he was from That's Incredible, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does yeah. he sing okay. or something? I didn't remember him. He, I, yes, he was a singer. Okay, I didn't realize he did that. Okay. <laughs> John Davidson. 
Was not expecting that. Okay. But uh, they had a capacity of 600 people, and there was 900 to 1,300 in attendance that night. And uh, anyway, there That's had incredible. Been, <laughs> there was a um, wedding reception in the basement, and they think somehow somebody accidentally started a fire. Um, thousand people tried to exit the building. 165 died that night. Man, so that's not that's the fourth. No, sorry, it's the third. And third, unfortunately, okay. John Davidson survived. Oh come but, on now! Yeah, that's just incredible. <laughs> the number two fire. Now we're getting back to well before our time here. Sure. This is in April of 1940. This is called the Rhythm Club Fire, and this is in Natchez, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. It was a dance hall, and the fire was started by possibly a lit match or a cigarette that started some Spanish moss that was used as decoration. As a decoration, two hundred nine people died in that fire. Wow! And the worst nightclub fire in the history of the United States. Drum, drum roll, please. Drum roll, yeah. The Cocoa Nut Grove Fire. Is that how you say that? Cocoa Nut. How's it spelled? C-O-C-O-A-N-U-T. Well, it's got to be coconut or coconut, just coconut grove. Just like a play on words. spell coconut? No, but cocoa, it's like, just makes sense. <laughs> well, okay. It's a dumb, maybe there's another place called coconut grove spelled the normal it, way. There could be. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so this is yeah. in Boston, Or maybe they only serve chocolate-related drinks. <laughs> it could be. It's their niche. So this is in, this is in November of 42, um, and this is in Boston. Oh, cool. My hometown. Nightclub had AC units using methyl chloride because of the wartime shortage of Freon, and that was a flammable gas. And they think there was a short in the AC unit that caused the fire. Possibly somebody lit a match trying to see so they could screw a light bulb back in. Um, Well-known film actor of the time, Buck Jones, died in the fire. How many people? 491 people. Oh. Man. Yeah. Crazy, huh? Oh, gosh. Anyway, and then, of course, that reminded me of the Who concert mm-hmm. uh, where 11 people died because of the people rushing in. Yeah, the crush. Uh, due to uh, general admission. And, of course, if you've seen the show WKRP in Cincinnati, you know that that show was immortalized. Yes. Um, WKRP. In Cincinnati. Because it was in Cincinnati. That's where it happened. Let the record show that I sang that song at karaoke one time. Did you really? <laughs> yes. It was in Yakima too, and uh, it, I don't remember where it was, but it was. Uh, I just so went up when there. they when I saw they did the, the other verses, did you just like kind of guess how that was going? Oh no, I there was a whole other verses. Oh, you no, knew no. it. I, they just did the regular. Oh, okay. The regular song. But yeah, I saw that in the book. I saw that in the book, and I'm like, I'm singing that. <laughs> and it lasted for like 45 seconds or a minute. And I just went up and sang it. And everybody stopped and turned and looked at me like, what the heck is this guy singing? <laughs> and then I finished, and then I got down and just sat down again. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. It would have been best if you would have done the song that they do at the end that's the all gibberish. Mm, I don't remember how that goes. Oh, the rocking one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. They didn't have that in the book. <laughs> no, okay. So so today we're talking about Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard from the album Hysteria. Step inside. Walk this way. You and me, babe. And Hysteria, I, it was really weird. I guess it wasn't that popular for like all the way till the beginning. It was, it was released in August of 87 and it wasn't until the beginning of 88 
did it start to get legs? And they were worried that they they spent like close to five million dollars to record this album, and, and like four years. Yeah. Oh, and all this time, somebody Rick, the drummer, lost his arm in a car accident. Yeah, the uh, producer quit because of exhaustion, and then yeah. rejoined. They had to find somebody else, and he didn't work out. You know, that reminds me of a joke. Okay. Why is Def Leppard the best songs to listen to in the car? Hmm. <laughs> because you can steer with one arm and play drums with the other one. <laughs> I know, it's terrible. Oh, that's good. I never heard that before. <laughs> So, did you find that we, on a rabbit hole search too? No, I didn't. <laughs> Jokes yes, about Rick actually. Allen. Yes, I did. I, I didn't. I haven't known that one. So, so yeah, Rick Allen lost his arm in a car accident on, I believe it was New Year's New Eve. New Year's Eve, nineteen eighty four. And uh, he had to come in, and they had to kind of. They're in the middle of recording this album, and they had to make a drum set with pedals with his feet to play snares and. I can't remember what else. Like so off beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, Anyways, so he normally, a, he, normally in, in normal drummer would play the bass drum with his right foot. And hold the down the drum, hi-hat with his left. Hi-hat with the left. That's when it's... And then you play the snare drum with your left hand. Rick Allen didn't have a left hand, so he figured out it would be easier to play the snare drum parts with his left foot. So it's like right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. And then if there was a fill, he would do a combination of his right arm and his left foot. Pretty complicated. So it was like so this is what it was like. Right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, pour some sugar around me. Yeah. Right foot, left foot. <laughs> that was the early version. Yeah. So anyway, they so they, they had been recording this album for how long was it? Uh what do you mean since Rick's crash? No, no. This oh, whole album. Total, how long had four years. Okay, four years they had been recording this album, and they were finishing up Armageddon It. While they were kind of finishing up uh, some little editing and stuff like that in the control room, Elliot, Joe Elliot, reaches over and grabs an acoustic guitar and starts playing. And the song he starts playing is what he had come up with was, you know, just a, a chorus of Pour Some Sugar On Me, Pour Some Sugar On Me. Mutt Lang, who was the producer, who was a very famous producer, yeah. he was married to uh, Shania. Shania Twain. He cheated on her, and that's why they got divorced. <laughs> yeah, there's a great, great documentary about her. Okay. Anyway, so Mutt Lang hears Joe Elliott playing the song, and he says, What is that? That's the best hook I've heard in five or ten years. We should absolutely do this song. Has he heard Pyromania? Because uh, Def Leppard songs are full of hooks. Anyway. Well, but that was before five years ago, right? No, pyro- no, I know, but he produced Pyromania too. You'd think he would know. He knows hooks. Probably just saying that's a good. It's a good song. <laughs> All of the members of Def Leppard did not want to record it. They were exhausted at this point. They had spent four and a half million dollars or whatever to record this album. They had, uh, we're done. We've got an album. We're ready. It's almost ready for the can. No, we've got to record this song. So they wanted to do it. Or wow, actually, that's Mutt crazy. made them do it. Yeah. That's crazy. They, Mutt, said it was an afterthought. He was wanting them to make a rock version of Thriller, basically. Mm. You know, try to, you know, an album that's got almost every song is a hit on it. Yeah, right. You're a guitar player. I am. What did they use on this album that's just incredible? Well, I don't know about guitar playing, but when Rick got in his accident and lost his arm, he had to figure out they, – they basically didn't have a drummer for all this time. So mm-hmm. they had to figure out some way to record. And one of the great things uh, that has good drum sounds is a Fairlight <laughs> synthesizer. Oh, my as gosh. Well as, that's not what I'm thinking about. As but well okay. as a synclavier. <laughs> they used yes, both of those. Yes, that's right. They did, they did use that. some of the um, – <laughs> Some of the stuff for the drums on that. Because, yeah, these drums are huge. But that's not what I'm thinking about. No, oh, I'm right. talking about <laughs> I the just, rock man. It just I'm talking about the rock, man, the rock man X100. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. From Boston. The guy from Boston invented this. Um, which, is, which is a um, it's a headphone amp that you would buy, and they were like 300 bucks. You plug your headphones into one side. You plug your guitar into the other. You clip it on your shirt. 
and you walk around the house playing songs. <laughs> oh, and it had headphones, yes. My brother has one of these. My brother Eric. Oh, really? And this is the original Rockman X100. This is not the half rack ones that they had. That's what that I used to put have. out. You had one of those? Yeah. That's not what they used. They used this. And they used this for almost, almost 100% of the guitars on this album. And, and let me, yeah, let me, let me explain okay. real quick. The Rockman was designed by Tom Schultz of Boston, yes, who was a, an electronic engineer and a guitar player and an organ player, and he worked for Polaroid. He designed this thing, and this is how they recorded the guitars on the first couple Boston albums. Anyway, he sold this thing. Def Leppard buys one. I don't know if it was Phil Collin, whoever. And that's what they use to record the guitars on this. This album has such a huge guitar sound. It has um, very clean guitars in areas all through the rock, man. That's crazy. I mean, they could use any amps they wanted, big or small. Studio usually is small amps. And, I, and Phil said that one of the reasons they did this is because they could play all these different parts of these guitars and they would all match. That also would make sense if they're using the Fairlight because um, you can just get it right into this. You know, you plug it directly in and you instantly have your sound. You can start messing with it easier. Then you don't have to mic everything up. Right. Yeah. So um, that's how they recorded it. I mean, hmm. as a matter of fact, some of the songs on there, there's some songs where they use the clean part of the rock man and they would play one string rewind the tape play another string oh my rewind god the tape play another string so that chords would be each note would be like this perfect strum of perfect the notes all, right. without harmonics going through them any of that kind of stuff each note oh absolutely my god. perfect <laughs> That stuff just doesn't happen these days. Well, it kind of does because now you can kind of do that stuff with Pro Tools and you know whatever else now. Back then, they're doing this with tape machines. Well, I guess not. Not if they're using the Fairlight and the Synclavier. I mean, they could do it on the yeah, Fairlight without, without. Yeah, you, you could make it perfect on the Fairlight. So this song was kind of during this time they were recording this. Uh, Walk this way with uh was it run dmc oh yeah 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 was popular and then there was another rap song that was popular at the time i'm gonna go with anthrax on that one right uh could be i don't know this yeah, is 87 I, so. I don't know yeah that sounds right um but uh that's what they kind of based this song on they wanted to do kind of a rap and that's why it's like loving like a bomb baby come and get it on sweet i don't remember all the lyrics <laughs> no kidding <laughs> so phil used a demarzio super distortion pickup in his uh strat and uh that's how they recorded the album that's so crazy so i listened to this album in march of 88 i how do you remember Finally, that? Because, well, I was on a, because I, I remember I was riding home from a choir trip from Reno, and I was in the back of this van laying down. We didn't care about safety back then. And uh, I just listened to it with my headphones on. Hmm, okay. I remember thinking, wow, this album is just so overproduced because when you hear it all, I mean, you know, if you just hear Man, one they song probably on the did radio. probably each string separately. Well, I didn't think that, but. <laughs> That's so crazy. But, uh. 
They had all kinds of sound effects in it and all kinds of stuff. And I just thought, man, this is what an overproduced album. But I, I, I certainly that, loved the hits. You thought that even what back then? I did, yeah. Oh, mm. absolutely. Wow. When I listened to it as a whole. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought every single song was perfect. They had so many sound effects and everything. And yeah, I thought that. So like I said, the album did not do that good. Um, and they initially only sold 3 million copies. Oh, poor Which Def Leppard. Normally, yeah, normally would be okay, but when you spend $5 million to record it, they need to sell a lot more so they can recoup some of that. So they had, it kind of had stalled and wasn't doing anything. They released Pour Some Sugar on Me in America, and Phil Collin says that the f- strippers in Florida loved the song so much and they would request it on the radio and that's how it really gained its momentum strippers in florida thank you for thanks strippers loving um pour some sugar on me and it made it to number two and so let me ask you this. Do you know who the number one song was that stopped Pour Some Sugar on, on Me from hitting number one? 1987. When did it, when did it happen? No, it was 88. 88 oh, it was 88? Okay. Is it in the spring, summer? When? Do you know? I don't remember. Okay. It would have been probably uh, winter. I'm going to guess Power Ballad. Um, wow, yes, yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to guess Great White. No, Richard Marks. <laughs> Hold on to the night. To that the was night. the number one song, so pour some sugar on me. Could oh, not overtake man. it. Okay, gosh. Hold on to the memory. Hold on to the night. Yes. Hold on to the memory is the next line. Gosh. Oh. Okay. Power ballad, though. Got it. Power ballad. Anyway, anything that you can uh, think about that you remember about this song? I honestly never liked this song. It's not oh, my really? favorite. Yeah, it's not my favorite from the I record, remember, not by far. I remember we played it at a party one time. No, we played did. Love Bites. Oh, really? I thought it was yeah. Pour Some Sugar On Me. Yeah, no, it was love. we might have no, tried both. Maybe we tried both. I, never, I remember yeah, doing maybe, Love okay. Bites. Yeah. Love Bites? Seriously? Super wow. hard, yeah. None of us okay. knew. I mean, yeah, we couldn't really. <laughs> it didn't go well. <laughs> Maybe we started with Love Bites and then it didn't go well, so we tried Pour Some Sugar On Me instead, because it's easier. Pour Some Sugar On Me. Excellent. I think it's an excellent song. I love it. I mean... I never owned this album, because they, for one thing, they played so many of the dang songs on the radio, I didn't feel I'd need to own it. But also, I kind of... I'd been an OG fan of Def Leppard since 1982, you know? So by the time this came out, I was kind of... I'd kind of moved on to other things. And this had some great songs on it, but I was kind of... I don't know. I was kind of over it a little bit. It really did have great songs on it, and uh, you know, especially at what the time was then, it was very commercial album. Oh, for sure, yeah, even more so than Pyromania. Yeah, Pyromania, and then you know, High and Dry, and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I loved it, and I did buy the. I bought the CD, but I it took me a long time before I bought the CD. I don't think I bought it until the summer of '88. Hmm. Yeah, I seem to remember riding around in your car and listening to it. Yeah. But yeah, I never did on it. But, you know, a couple of my favorite Def Leppard songs are on it. Which ones is that? Love Bites and Hysteria. You must be a uh, power ballad guy. Sure, I, I love I love me a good power ballad. What are some of your other ones, by the way? Uh, other favorite ones from that? Yeah, yeah, or for that, or from other their albums. Um, your favorite pull. Def Leppard songs? I loved Women. I 
I loved Rocket. kind of loved animal no i loved animal love bites i loved pour some sugar on me i loved armageddon and i thought was stupid yeah i did too gods of war i didn't like yeah same here don't shoot shotgun i didn't, didn't like know. run riot i thought was a copy of uh the cure Run Riot sounds exactly like it. Hysteria I loved. Excitable, oh, you could take that away. Love and Affection, I can't even tell you that song. Yeah, I'd rather listen to uh, Love and Affection by uh, Nelson. Kiss? <laughs> no, Nelson. Yeah, well, let me, real quick, uh, there's a song by Vinnie Vincent called Animal. It sounds almost exactly like this. came out a year later. Really? Yeah, it's on his second album. So, uh, off Pyromania, of course, I love. I like the music for women, but I always thought the lyrics were kind of dumb. Women, yeah, yeah. Well, that's is that the one where it said no? That that's that was the other thing I hated about this hysteria album was the song Rocket. I thought the lyrics were so stupid. Yeah, rattling off the different rock bands. Oh yeah, right. Beatles and Moda and Me or something. I can't remember. Yeah. I, so actually, I didn't like Rocket. So let's. If I said I liked that before, strike that. <laughs> you did. But I did love Foolin' Rock of Ages photograph and rock rock till you drop i liked those yeah foolin and uh, photograph are on my list too for sure but my favorite my favorite is bringing on the heartbreak that's my favorite definitely High and Dry, I really liked. Of course, Bringing on the Heartbreak. That must be all I liked from that one. And then the one with the truck on the High front. High and Dry. High and Dry. Uh, Saturday night. I don't know that High one. and Dry. Yes, you do. Oh, okay. You, do, you totally know it. And then the one <laughs> with the truck on it, On Through the Night, I don't know anything about On Through the that. Night. I used to have that, but I haven't had it for a long time. I haven't listened to it for a long time. I could probably dredge up a song I liked, but oh man, it's been too and long. And then they kind of tried to do a Hysteria Part 2, which was Adrenalize, and that just really fell That flat. album sucks. <laughs> did Mutt Lang do that one? I think so. Sure sounds like he did. Man, that album okay. sucks. <laughs> so Mutt Lang, he would do some other things when they recorded. Uh, he would have them whisper the lyrics to what they just sang and then he would bring that up in the bottom so that vocals would just sound more full and sound like this and women women like a bomb lots of pretty down. women <laughs> hey, hey yeah yeah what's that smell <laughs> what's that smell <laughs> yeah. i love anyway. there there are people who do that now i can't think of any at the moment cuz uh but that's a that's a super cool trick. Yeah. Just brings up the air, just the high frequency stuff just really brings it up. That's a cool trick. Cover your ears. I had to pick a song for Cover Your Ears. And I picked this song, and this is by... Perilous. This is Vanessa Lavoie, and okay. she is a country star. And this song has 39,000 views. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, does that not sound stupid? I'm not hating it yet. Demolition Man, can you be my man? Yeah, that's weird, but I'm, I'm okay. not hating it yet. All right. <laughs> I'm, I absolutely hate this. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well, what do you think? I'm not hating it. I, I don't <laughs> think it's bad. I'm kind of surprised I like it as much I, as I do. I do not like, and this bothers me so much about pop country, is... This song, if you took that um, fiddle or violin out of this song and you just played it like that, you would never think... Maybe she does a little country twangish to this song. Mm-hmm. You'd never think this was a country version of this song. And that bothers you? Oh, absolutely bothers me. Why? I think that this pop country music... And I'm going to tick people off here. But this pop country <laughs> music it. is like... It's just regular songs and they just talk about their pickup truck and drinking a six-pack on a Friday night, and they put a fiddle in it, and they put a little twang to their thing, and then they just mark it as country. What's the uh, song about the guy, uh, the guy singer singing about taking his girl to Applebee's? She's fancy like that or something like that? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's so dumb. It's the worst. But it's, it's, it's kind of what you're talking about. But it's, yeah, it's a guy. It's, it's, I think it's called Fancy Like That. It's all about how, okay. you know, this, his, he loves his girl, but, you know, she can... You know, she's so fancy, we can go to Applebee's. Yeah, we fancy like Applebee's on a date night. Got that Burma Street steak with the Oreo shake and some whipped cream on the well, top. That's funny. See, yeah, it's so yeah, stupid. See, it, see, I think that's way worse. This song, I don't mind. Uh, this one, I don't mind. I like old country. I like so Willie I. Nelson. Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be cowards. Don't let them pick guitars and drive them old trucks. And some of that stuff. I mean, not that I would go and buy a bunch of their albums or anything, but I like that stuff. This pop crap. Uh, oh, yeah. Y- yuck. I don't like it. I, I I don't mind this girl, Vanessa. What's her name? Vanessa Lavoie? Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind that. I like old All country, right, well, too. Like, I have a couple records of, like, compilation records of, like, from stuff from the 50s. 40s, 50s, like Patsy Cline and like uh, George Jones. And he said, I'll love you till I die. She told him you'll forget in time. As the years went slow. Gosh, there's one record I have. It's awesome. It's like that kind of stuff into the 50s, just before rock and roll. And there's like Everly Brothers there's some kind of like the old kind of country hymns that they used to sing, which I can take or leave those. But yeah, stuff like Patsy Cline, Everly Brothers, that's a little what bit about country. Roy but, Clark. Hmm? Roy Clark. Yeah, I got a couple of his too. Yeah, he's Dude, amazing. That guy can play guitar. Yes, he, he can. amazing. And man, great to watch. I have Earl Scruggs, a couple of his albums. I have the one with Doolin Banjos on it. <laughs> you believe That's that? Funny. Yeah, they're. No, I don't believe that. I could show it to you. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. Is it on vinyl? It is. Oh, okay. Okay, so there's our drinking game. <laughs> so anyway, so that's, that's that's our cover your ears for this week. Uh, country version of Pour Some Sugar On Me. That was great. Oh, you know what? I forgot to mention this. Um, on both Pyromania and on this album, there's a keyboard player who is a very famous keyboard player who has worked with um, Mutt Lang in the past. He played on Foreigner 4, and he played on Pyromania, and he also played on this, although I I couldn't find evidence of that. 
It's Thomas Dolby. Yeah. No kidding. And he has under the pseudonym um, Booker T. Boffin. And that's funny. He, we need to do a show about him. Um, that's on my list. Believe me. <laughs> He's one of my favorites. Yeah. And I, I looked for evidence of that on Wikipedia and stuff, and I didn't find it anywhere, a mention of of uh, this album. But he, he mentions it in his book. So hmm. that, that he specifically mentioned he did both Pyromania and Hysteria. But he might have gone uncredited on Hysteria. He probably wasn't there for the whole five no, years. No, probably not. <laughs> so what movie are we talking about today? We are going back to 1979. What? And we are doing The Black Hole. Our first Disney movie. Disney. You know this is the first Disney movie that was rated PG? It is, yeah. And it had Hell and Damn in it. And violence. Yes. Very dark. This is, I, I, I'm going to have a hard time explaining this one. And I, or I should say, let me phrase that a different way. I feel like this one is going to be a little hard to describe and get across because it's a strange movie. Yeah, it is. And it was uh, even more strange that Disney put it out. Yeah. And I, I was reading about this movie. I mean, it went through so many rewrites oh my and different. Gosh. Uh, but this was originally going to be a disaster movie in space because they had like Poseidon and oh yeah uh, yeah airport you know lots of the airport seventy seven yeah. yeah so uh, towering inferno that's what I was thinking of. yeah yeah towering inferno Poseidon adventure anyway disaster movies were really popular in the seventies so somebody said hey let's make a disaster movie in space that's so that's how this started Bob that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> So this went through, uh, you know, some people that were working on it. The guy retired, and then he came back, then he died <laughs> before they made the movie. Um, and then just lots of rewrites, lots of different directors. And um, going back to 1974. So it was people, when they started it? Yeah. People think it was kind of like a reaction to Star Wars, but it was in production. Yeah. Beginnings of it were way before. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, when they shot this movie, they wanted to rent the camera system that was used on Star Wars, you know, the, the motion control camera system. Yeah, ILM. Yeah, and it was going to cost too much, so they decided not to do it, and they kind of designed their own system, which is which was smart. actually yeah. was, but it, and it was better than the system. Yeah, that was used in Star Wars because they could do uh, map paintings with people moving in them and. Stuff like that. Yeah, the visual effects in this movie are unbelievably cool. Yeah, for 79. Especially for the time. Especially. Yeah, gosh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is a movie about these these uh, astronauts who are in this uh, spaceship called the Palomino, and they come upon the Cygnus, which was a huge spaceship that was lost 20 years ago or something like that. Yeah, yeah. My God. Right out of Dante's Inferno. And one of the women that was, well, the only woman the only that, one. Was in this, <laughs> that was in this spaceship, it was her father had been on that ship. And so she, they go and they land on the ship and there's an evil guy because they don't really know he's evil. What's his name? Hans? Um, His name is? Maybe it's not Hans. Maximilian, anyway. Maximilian Schell is the actor. Reinhardt. Yeah, Hans Reinhardt. Hans Reinhardt. They found found some place or eddy where he could sit, and this black hole would not suck him in. So for twenty years or whatever, he's been sitting there studying this black hole. I thought he created an anti gravity thing. I think it was. I think it was that. It's like being in the eye of a hurricane. Maybe that's what it was. I don't remember. He kind of decided he wanted to stay there, and of course, all the other staff on the spaceship didn't want to stay there, and he ended up. Killing everybody or doing something to make them into zombies. Yeah, turn them into sort of a um, combination of robots and humans. Yeah. I feel like a thousand eyes are watching us. And then he built, had some robots built and stuff. I remember when I saw this movie as a little kid. So I would have been uh, like eight years old when I saw it. 
almost nine years old. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved it, of course, because I loved Star Wars and I guess so science fiction was kind of a big thing for me back then. But I remember the the robot Maximilian, yes. who's the red floating robot. He was just scary to me. Yeah. This is the story to end all stories, Harry. David and Goliath. Those other robots aren't any friendlier than Dr. Frankenstein's monster. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. I just remember how scary it was. And then when I watched this a few weeks ago, I was like, what's scary about this guy except for that he's got... <laughs> He's got a hole saw that spins around or whatever and kills Anthony Perkins. And <laughs> but uh, You know what's funny? Speaking of Anthony Perkins, when I saw him in the cast, I was picturing Anthony Hopkins. And I was like, wow, Anthony Hopkins is in this? I don't remember that. So I kept waiting for him to appear. And then at some point, I figured out, like, wait a minute, I must be wrong. Because I'm like way into the movie. <laughs> no Anthony That's Hopkins. Funny. So I had, to, I had to look up the cast. And I was like, oh, uh, Perkins, right. Okay. When I was a kid... I had a poster of Vincent, one of the f- other robots, in my bedroom. <laughs> a full, full, you know, what are those things? I don't know. Just a regular poster. Wow. Old Vincent on there. Yeah. Didn't have Bob, who was the beat up robot. Yeah, yeah. So do you know who voiced Vincent? Um, Let's see. Vincent, that would be, I looked this up too. Uh, Roddy McDowell, the singer. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He sang a song He's not about. He's a singer. Yeah, he Did was. Did you say singer? Yeah. He sang? Yeah. Because when I was a kid, I used to have a record of his. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Was, I just remember him from uh, the, the, the Planet of the Apes movies. And... Out of the frying pan, hopefully not into oh, really? the fire. How about Slim? Did Slim Pickens do an album? Probably. He he did the voice for Bob. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? One of the, or Laugh-In, or one of those old kind of country music shows. Yeah, he was a singer also. Oh, speaking of the robots, do you know what their acronyms? Their names are not actually Vincent and Bob. They're acronyms. So they're all like they spell out all the letters. Do you know what they stand for? I, I do. It was uh, Vitalized. Uh, vitalized. I, I remember this vital, as a kid. Vital Information. This is Vincent. Vital Information. Yeah. Uh, vital, vital Information. Necessary. Centralized. <laughs> Just rolls right off well, the tongue, doesn't it? So what it? was Bob? This is even worse. Biosanitation Battalion. That doesn't even spell Bob. Biosanitation. Bio. 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 No, it's just bio dash sanitation. I, I, <laughs> I mean, those are pretty weak. I mean, you can do. That's funny. <laughs> you can do a lot better than that. Come on, writers. So, what did you what did you think about the music for this? Oh, the music is awesome. Did you really like it? Oh, I love. I, it's I, John. I, I really found it kind of. I know. I know. But I just found it kind of. Kind of boring. I guess I should or, say, or or unnecessarily dramatic. Melodramatic. I guess is the word I'm looking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was written in kind of an old style. Right. Um, I saw something about this where. Yeah. Like by the by this time by like late seventies early eighties films didn't really have an overture anymore or like a main theme, and these and both this and Star Trek, which came out like six months later, were the last two. Yeah. Movies. To have an overture like that. And the overture is the part, I should say, the overture is the part that I really like. So did you know that it was the very first digital recording of a movie soundtrack? Really? Very first one. Second one, Star Trek. Star Trek, of course. Yep. So the first one was John Barry. um, And they just, they recorded it through a board onto two track of like a, it was a Sony digital recording system. Hmm. That's how they did it. You know what some of the other movies that uh, John Barry has written for? James Bond. Yes. And Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. My favorite. I always love to get a chance to mention him. <laughs> he, he's got, I have a bunch of his albums too. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was joking about Howard the Duck. But you said that was right, and so I took it. Okay. He actually did the music for Howard the Duck. <laughs> I he's also not he did that movie. Midnight Cowboy. That's an excellent movie and an excellent soundtrack. Harry Nielsen sang the uh, yeah. theme song for that. Yeah, he's amazing. Anyway, I, I, I think it's a good movie, and it's really worth uh, watching again, you know, if you can get the HD version of it, because it, it, it actually is done really good for 79. I mean, some of the stuff's hokey, but I mean, these guys were doing this 
They didn't have computers then. They Although did. the opening yes, credits did. was used with computers. <laughs> so there. That was actually the they, longest. They, they did. That was actually the longest, that intro, with just the green sort of cone graphic. That was the longest computer animated sequence You know, we should do, uh, on this show, we should do the movie The Last Starfighter. Oh, I'd like have to. Have you ever seen that movie? If I have, it's been 35 years. Easy. Yeah, but that was that movie was like one of the first movies where they used mm. computer graphics. Throughout. Oh, I'd like to do that one. That'd be a fun one to revisit. I will travel where no man has dared to go. Anyway, so Black Hole, I think it's a great movie. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. I don't know if the kids would like it because of the because of the, you know it doesn't have computer graphics and stuff in it except for the opening credits. But I think it's a great movie. I do too, and it's a little hard to describe why. Because if you just sort of take some of the elements of it on their own, like the dialogue is really slow and kind of stilted, characters are kind of you don't really know. They're not really developed very well, and they don't. It doesn't really make sense of characters. It's got Ernest Borgnine in it oh, and yeah. uh, Robert Forrester. Yeah, from uh, uh, Jackie Brown. Yeah, he's the bail bond and, guy. Yeah, all, I mean, lots of older movies too. And then he's he plays the uh, the vacuum store guy in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Oh gosh, I didn't even recognize. Yeah, him. and he just died a couple years ago. Dang, I didn't even recognize. Yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then it's got, like I said, Ernest Borgnine and Anthony Perkins from uh, Psycho. Not Anthony and, Hopkins. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, and I'm trying to think. I, the the girl, Moyex, or whatever her name was, um, I don't know uh, if her from anything. Vivian, uh, no, Vivian Lemieux. Vivian Lemieux. Yeah. I, I don't know her from anything. She was in the black hole. I don't know. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, of course, you got Roddy McDowell and uh, Anthony, or Anthony Perkins, uh, Slim, Slim Pickens. Pickens, and uh, I guess Maximilian never made any any uh, noises. Star didn't either, and he Star was the black uh, sentry robot. Oh, right, 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 right. I think by Bob. Yeah, it's funny. So, like, the pace of this movie is pretty slow. Yeah, for the for the first third or half of the movie the pace is pretty slow and it's very dark somber but you know what like star wars the original star wars the pacing on that was blinding for people but if we go back and look at it now (laughs) it's just like uh, it's kind of slow so the black hole probably was not slow back then that was just normal yeah i Um, mean i tried it when we've talked about that kind of stuff before I try to look at it through, you know, I try to factor that in while I'm watching. You know, it's like, is this uh-huh. slow for the time or is it just plain slow? And I think this one it falls into just plain slow, especially if you are expecting something like, if you're a kid and you're expecting something like Star Wars, it's, it was marketed as kind of a kid's movie and they had toys and action figures and stuff. Yeah. They didn't really sell because kids didn't There's really no get kids. it. There's no yeah. kids in the movie. Yeah. Except unless you want to call the robots kids. But yeah, it's very, it's kind of dark and creepy, the atmosphere of it. But the, the, uh, the visual like effects at the are end, amazing. Do they go to hell? Do they go to heaven? You know, not like a Disney movie at all. Yeah. And the ending doesn't make a lot of sense. They spend so much time on the visual effects and then they do that slow-mo thing where they're going through the black hole. <laughs> Just kind of like, yeah. it looks jerky and like, oh, that you kind of cheaped out on that. Yep. And the ending, it's like, yeah, are they in hell? And then they have like this religious imagery of the angel wings going through the black hole. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it ends and it's kind of this strange thing. And then they end up at a planet, which we assume is earth. What's just happened? Like, it just seems like they're going along at this certain way. And then it ends kind of unsatisfactory. And they, they really talk about it being a flop, but it wasn't really a flop. I mean, it made its money back. Mm-hmm. It was $20 million for them to make it. They made 35 million in the U S and I think another 35 million worldwide. So, wow. You know, depending on, but their toys did not no <laughs> sell, and they are now collectors' items. I'm because, sure they are. You know, they got buried out in Nevada desert or something. So. <laughs> yeah, I'd recommend. I'd recommend Black Hole too. It's on Disney Plus. Um, it's it's a strange oh, it? one. Yeah, okay. yeah. Go in if you go in expecting slow and dark, and you're gonna get that. You're gonna get it. That's what it is. But yeah, don't go in expecting a you know a 
hilarious romp through space or something, or uh, you know, action-packed. There is some action, and but it's it's an interesting movie. Oh yeah, the whole the whole meteor thing. And that was super cool. The, yeah, it was just a lot of that's super cool. And some of that stuff, like them running across the catwalk in front of the rolling, mm-hmm. that's an that's an incredible um, thing that they made in '79. It was nominated for an Academy Award for visual effects. Excellent. Thanks for joining us today where we talked about Pour Some Sugar on Me. Um, If you get a chance, go back and listen to our last show, which is about Rick Astley. Being Rick Rolled. Rick Astley. That's a great episode. (laughs) It really was. To find out what in the world was Rick Rolled, how did it start, and we hear about that. And what movie did we do then? We did. uh, Oh, Big. Big. Can't even remember it. It was only two weeks ago. (laughs) Actually, it was, yeah. So that was such a fun episode to do. And it was so fun because at every turn I wasn't expecting it. And there was some new, new thing that I learned. And I even, I was so excited that I even told you to stop looking up information because I wanted to surprise you. That's how much fun it was. Yeah. Good episode. (laughs) Yeah. We have lots of other episodes. We talk about, uh, Paul McCartney till Tuesday police. Did we talk about the police? We did. Gosh. Oh gosh. Talking about, uh, the 86 song. Don't stand so close to me. Yes, there we go. And uh, we did a four-parter on heavy metal and its popularity. Um, anyway, lots of great episodes. Yes, Van Halen. Go back and listen to them. Uh, yeah, this, a lot is, of great this, is episode, this is episode number 16. We have 16 episodes. That's crazy. It's cranking yeah. up. We're doing her good. Yep. Yeah, Excellent. We're, well, we're, we're proud of these, and we're enjoying them, so we hope you do too. Yep, and excellent. you can, you can uh, if you have a request that you'd like to hear us talk about, maybe we haven't thought of it before and you can email us at tapeheads80 at gmail.com or uh, leave a comment on this episode if you're on Spotify and we'll see it and we can add it to the list excellent all right guys tell your friends take a listen and we will see you in a couple weeks this is Todd saying thanks have a good one see you soon this is Blaine see you later <laughs>